This morning I want to talk to you about how you can know the will of God for your life. Now, a lot of people when it comes to uh, no, discovering what the will of God is, they think it's something that's very, very complicated, something very deep, something that, you know, is you've got to be like a treasure hunter and be seeking and digging, you know, Indiana Jones, you know, the, you know, trying to fight off snakes and boulders rolling at you and stuff like that and just to try to find this incredible hidden secret treasure about how to know God's will in your life I believe that God's will is not that hidden from us in fact I believe God wants you to know his will Um, it stands to reason if it's his will he wants you to know what it is how many if you want your kids to do something you tell them you know, you, know, you sit there and say, okay, kids, I just want you to come and just figure out what I'm feeling. <laughs> and, and seek me until you can guess what it is. No, you tell them. You communicate. God, if, if you know how to, do, to communicate that way uh, with your children, God certainly knows how to communicate that way with, with, uh, with his kids. He said, well, why is it so hard for me? You know, I, I feel like I'm trying to discover what God wants me to do. I've, I've got some dreams in my heart. I'm not sure what it is. Well, part of the reason is because we're not doing the basics. You need to do the basics before God will take you to the next level. Um, I used the analogy in the last service of a ship, uh, you know, and, and has a rudder. I don't know how many of you are into boating. Uh, I've got a boat. If you see me coming, run for your lives because I can't steer the stupid thing. But uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not very good at it. <laughs> stupid boats. But, uh, um, you know, the thing with the rudder, it doesn't do anything unless you're moving. And then, you know, once you get moving, then it, it takes over and it has some effect. Same is true with God's directing in your life. A lot of people are just sitting there and they're just shaking the rudder back and forth. They're like, oh God, don't tell me nothing. Because you're not doing anything. You need to move. And uh, God's pretty clear about the basics that he wants in your life. The will of God is not this big, dark, deep, secret mystery. In fact, the Bible is very clear. The scriptures are full of exhortations telling us exactly what we should be doing. Thing is, is that we don't want to hear what we should be doing. We want some secret revelation, you know, that that makes us the next great something or other. When in reality, it's not all that complicated. Now, as an example of this, I I looked into the, uh, I took the book of Ephesians. Now, we had studied the book of Ephesians on Wednesday nights. We have these Wednesday night Bible studies. If you haven't had a chance to come out on Wednesday nights, you need to come out. It's really a blast. Uh, We really get into the word. We take the books of the Bible. We go through verse at a time. And it's great fun. It's my favorite service of the week. I mean, I dig this. This is great. But Wednesday night, it just rocks, man. And it's cool. And uh, if you like to hear me preach, come on Wednesday night because I think I'm better at it on that night. But, uh, uh, and, uh, and I also go longer. But, uh, um, you know, we get you done about quarter to eight or whatever. From, but it, but it's, it's, it's fun and it's fabulous. And one of the books that we studied recently was the book of Ephesians. And what I did is I went and I looked. I took just three chapters of the book of Ephesians. There's six of them there. It's a very small book actually there are letters there the chapters were added later so you could find where to find stuff but uh um that's our point of reference so i took three of them and i i started writing down every time it says tell us what to do i wrote it down what to do what not to do i just started writing down and look at this list the bible's very clear about what we should be doing i want to read this list to you just from that little part of the bible so uh, i think i started at chapter four in the book of ephesians first thing i read in there is, is, is a phrase that basically says get a new attitude 
We need to get a new attitude. If you're going to succeed in faith, you've got to have a new attitude. You can't carry the old attitude with you. Attitude of defeat, of despair, of doom and gloom. I can't do it. Nobody loves me. I'm a scumbag. I was a nothing. I was a nothing. My mama told me I'd be a nothing. You've got to shake that stuff and get a new attitude that with Christ you can do anything. There is nothing impossible to God. God wants to bless you, wants you to succeed. He's on your side. You need a new attitude, all right? Next thing I saw, stop lying. Tell the truth is what he says. Pretty simple one. Next one, when you get mad, don't sin. You mean I can get mad? Yes, you can get mad. The Bible doesn't say you can't get mad. You get as mad as a hornet. You're mad as a rattlesnake. (laughs) Just go crazy. But don't sin when you get mad. That's the hard part, you see. (laughs) You know, you get as mad as you want. Just don't be mean. Don't be nasty. Don't be cussing. Don't be slamming. Don't be hurting people. Be as mad as you want. Just don't sin. Next one. Quit taking what doesn't belong to you. Obviously. On the other side of that, he says, work hard so that you have enough money to give to others. Next one. He says, don't talk dirty. Next one, stop all the bitterness, rage, and anger in your life. In short, get over it already. Some people just hang on. I'm still mad about what that guy that did to me. If everybody does that to me again, I'll punch him in the face. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'll never let that. Just walking around with all this stuff inside of him. I had a lady one time at the, at the foyer there. She came in and, and she just, I mean, I didn't know her from Adam, and she, or Eve, as such as the case may be, but she, she says, I mean, it wasn't 30 seconds, and she starts telling me about this guy that had hurt her, and how he's a nothing but a dirty, rotten person, and all the evil things he did. I mean, just tell me this horrible story. I'm, I'm just, whoa, that's, that's terrible. I'm thinking, and I asked her, when she finally got done, which was like forever, I said, when did this happen? And she said, 25 years ago? <laughs> 25 years ago you need to get a life move on get over it chill out give yourself a swirly or something just move on (laughs) hanging on a bitterness anger rage constantly rehearsing you know the only way you can do it is you keep rehearsing it you got to rehearse it over and over again you live it again and again and again and you just stay in this attitude die early death that's why some people make it to 30 so mad about everything all the time next one he says be nice there's the deep truth just just be nice just be nice don't be so mean a lot of people just mean here's the next one he says forgive people just like God forgave you you need to forgive people you need to let it go the people in the world who should be the most forgiving are Christians We have been forgiven a great debt. I'll tell you what, if you don't have a sense that you have won the lottery of life, if you don't have a sense that you have just been forgiven something that just, you know, you deserve all the punishment, you deserve to go to hell, and instead you've been forgiven, if you don't get that picture, I don't have a whole lot of hope for you. You have got to realize, God, when he forgave you of your sins, that was a major deal. How many of you are glad Jesus has forgiven you of your sins? I mean, that's, that's what all of this is about. Experiencing the forgiveness of God in your life. Man, I am glad. 
about that. And because we have received that, it is incumbent upon us to forgive other people who sin against us. People who hurt us. People who violate our space. We need to be people of forgiveness. He says, forgive people. Just like God has forgiven you. Next verse he says, follow God like a little kid. Isn't that great? Little kids are impressionable. You can, they're teachable. Don't get to the place in life where you think you can't learn anything anymore. Grow in your faith. Learn from God. Learn from the scriptures. Look at Jesus. Try to follow God like a child. He says this then. He says, live a life of love. Next one. Don't allow even a hint of sexual immorality in your life. <laughs> a hint. Man, I would love to have just a hint. That would be a huge win for the church today. If we just had a hint. Good. I tell you, if there's one area where I think the modern church of Jesus in, in, in the United States of America is as clueless as the day is long, it's in this area of sexual immorality. People looking at porn, committing adultery, guys sleeping with their girlfriends, girls moving in with their boyfriends, all this idiot stupid. I'm talking about Christians. Not heathens. Up to their eyeballs in sexual sin. Now, of course, then these same people are stunned and shocked that God doesn't answer all their prayers. You say, does that affect? Of course it affects it. Sin will keep God out of your life. It just does. You walk around with sin and sexual sin and hate and unforgiveness and you pray and try to ask God to bless your life. Ain't nothing going to happen. I just one couple come up to me one time. And, uh... <laughs> I left a big makeup mark on my thing here. So my head shining now in the lights. But, uh... <laughs> I have the attention span of a fly. Um... <laughs> This one couple comes up, a young couple, God bless their darling little hearts. And I knew that they were living in sin. And they knew I knew I was, they was living in sin. I mean, it was like, we hate people and stuff. I mean, like, not about that. Yeah, we used to love them. They come to church. It was great and stuff. And they set an appointment with me one day and they came in. And said, well, I said, what's the problem? He said, Pastor, nothing's working in our lives. Nothing's working. They went through this whole list of how things were horrible and health problems and all this. Stuff. And they said, Pastor, why isn't God answering our prayers? And I'm looking at them like they dropped in from Mars. I said, because you're living in sin. And they laughed. They went, ha, 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 ha. oh, we knew you'd say that. But really, why? <laughs> because you're living in sin. I, they just couldn't grasp it. People just don't get it today. A hint, a hint. I would, I would be, I'd dance in the street of Green Bay if we just had a hint. You got to understand, sexual immorality will poison your life. God, God doesn't hate you. But it will poison your life. There's a reason why God says to stay away from these things. Now if you don't care. You don't think you need God. You don't need answers to prayer. You don't think you'll ever have a stroke. You're young. You're healthy. No guarantee there. You don't think you'll have financial. You don't think. I'm telling you. Keep these things out of your life. So God can bless your life. He says don't be greedy. Gotta have it. Gotta have it. Praise God, praise God, what happened? Just a miracle, really? Yeah, I got a credit card, said it'll give you another $10,000. It's a miracle. It's not a miracle, it's a trap. 
These people want to suck your brains dry. They want you to take the max of that stuff. You know who credit card companies hate? They hate people that pay off their credit card balances every month. They hate guys like me. You know what they call them? Deadbeats. You checking this out? I am a deadbeat. Because I pay off my card every month. They hate that. Why? Because they want to put you in slavery. So you're working for them. Don't kid yourself. Slavery is alive and well in the United States of America. It just looks different today. There have been people always wanting to put people in slavery. Making other people work for them. You get in a debt up to your eyeballs. You're working like crazy to pay for somebody else's lifestyle. Outrageous interest. Still slavery. Just the masters are different. Now it's MasterCard. American Express. Visa. Yes, Mazza. Thank you, Mazza. Thank you, Mazza. Ruin your life. Don't get caught up in all that stuff. Next one. Don't hang out with bad people. Pretty simple. I love this next one. Make the most of every opportunity in your life. Make the most of every opportunity in your life. What should I be doing? You should be making the most of every opportunity in your life. But a lot of people sit around and they moan and groan because they didn't get the opportunity they wanted. So they don't do anything with the opportunity they have. I'm telling you, all of you have opportunities right now. All of you have opportunities. And the word of God is saying this, hey, make the most out of every opportunity. Do you know why? Because you start doing that, God will give you other opportunities. See, he who is faithful in little, God can trust with more. He's not going to just drop some big yo mama thing in your lap. When you're not faithful with the little stuff, you ignore stuff, you sit and waiting for stuff to pop and magically happen in your life. You need to make the most out of every opportunity. I like this next one. Don't be stupid. See, did he write that? Nah, that's my version of it. He said, don't be foolish. The foolish is stupid. The stupid is, the stupid does. Don't be stupid. Don't do dumb things. Sixth one, don't get drunk on booze, but do get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. You need to be under the influence. You need to be under the influence. Not under the ban. Don't get drunk on booze and, and drugs. Man, get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Woo! You get drunk on the Holy Spirit, you can do stuff you don't normally do. Because you just, you're empowered. Now the one thing that I agree with people who get drunk on booze is, we both agree being sober is a drag. It is. Now, now the Bible says you should be sober. We're going to even read a verse a little bit later talking about being sober, but you know, being clear-minded. But I'm talking about sober, and I'm, I don't mean sober, sober. I'm, I'm, I'm a mean sober. Some people say they're a mean drunk. Man, I'm, I'm mean here. I get impatient. I get, rah, rah, rah. But when I get influenced by the Holy Spirit, and I start walking in the Spirit of God, and I'm drunk in the Holy Spirit, and He empowers me, He enables me to do things I wouldn't normally be able to do. So how can you do that, Pastor? I don't know, man. I was drunk. <laughs> That's exactly it. If, I tell you tonight, you watch. You watch. It's going to be cold, 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 cold out tonight. People ask me if I'm going to be at the game. No. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't going to the game, man. I'm going to watch the game in front of my big HD TV. 
in front of the fireplace. Because I don't like to be cold, but you watch. It's going to be so cold tonight, and I guarantee you, there'll be some idiots out there. They're going to take off their shirts and jackets, and they're going to shake their bellies all on TV going, Woo! You know, and say, why are they going to do that? Because they're going to be drunk. That's why. <laughs> they're just... It enables them to do stuff they wouldn't normally do. But that's when you get alcohol and drugs, it makes you do stupid stuff. It makes you do bad stuff. It hurts you. It ruins your relationships. It can kill you. But when you get under the influence of the Holy Spirit, it empowers you. It gives you joy unspeakable in the midst of sorrow. You can smile when everybody else is miserable. I can tell you, so many times I've walked into places like 7-Eleven and stuff late at night. I'm just drunk on the Holy Spirit. I'm just smiling. Hey, how's it going? And they say, well, what have you been drinking? I'm full of Jesus, man. They, then they think I really am drunk, you know, but they don't get it. I said, really, when the world sees you really under the influence of the Holy Spirit, they literally will think you're drunk on booze or something. You remember in the, in the, in the, in the Bible, book of Acts, when they all first got filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes down there speaking in tongues and worshiping God and, and they're just celebrating. And the Bible says that all the people who saw them thought they were drunk. And then Peter got up and said, no, 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 they can't be drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. They had obviously never been to Green Bay, Wisconsin. <laughs> Because that don't mean Jack around here. (laughs) But he said, they're not drunk on booze. They're drunk on the Holy Spirit. What's happening? They're being empowered. They're able to do things they couldn't normally do. Hallelujah. To live supernatural lives. I wonder how many want to live a supernatural life. Now, now, now in my mind, there's a difference between supernatural and supernatural. So what's the difference? Well, just supernatural is like, Woo! I'm not talking about, I'm talking about a natural life in a super way. Where you can live super naturally. Where you can be normal with a spin. Woo! Normal with power. Normal with joy. Instead of flipping people off, you're waving at them. How you doing? Praise God. Hallelujah. You're just swinging any old time. Good to see you. Being patient when you shouldn't be patient. Enduring things when you, you normally you couldn't do it. People say, how do you do it, man? I'm drunk. Some of y'all come to church this morning. It's your first time here. You see all these people raising their hands. You think, what's the matter with them? They're drunk, man. This was the matter with them. They're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You know, I know some of you don't get this. <laughs> think about it. It'll fit in your head eventually. But just... <laughs> Just let the Holy Spirit influence you. Praise God. It's still my list. This is still just a couple of pages in the Bible. Here's the next one. Let the other guy win. Wow, now there's something. You want to do the will of God? Let the other guy win. I ain't going to let that guy win. I ain't going to go kill that guy. Take you to court. I'm going to sue you and your dog's pooping in my yard. I'm going to show you what's going on. I swear. Christians, man, chill out. Somebody hurt you, let the other guy win. Why would you do that? Because you're drunk, you don't know any better. Here's one that requires a lot of drinking. 
Wives, respect your husbands. Right there. Y'all need to be full of the Holy Ghost. You got that right. Put your hand down. Cast the devil out of you. <laughs> you say, I can't do it. Sure you can. You just need to get under the influence. Somebody say amen. There you go. You can actually respect your husband. Here's one husband. You can love your wives. Come on. Children, obey your parents. There's a hot item. They don't want to obey their parents. They want to do their own thing. You got these young teenagers. Man, I'm just, I want God to show me what to do with my life. Why doesn't God show me what to do? Pastor, why doesn't God show me what to do with my life? Because you won't even listen to your parents. What's he going to waste his time talking to you for? You can't pick up your underwear. You think he's going to show you how to change the world? looks like a hamster cage all wadded up and smells like somebody died in there you think God's gonna tell you how to take the next step in life come on people practical Christianity live this stuff out kids obey your parents I don't wanna doesn't say do what you wanna do it says do the right thing well we gotta we gotta teach our kids that we gotta live that Successful life isn't doing about what you want to do. It's about doing the right thing. Here's one. Fathers, it's your job to teach your children about spiritual things, not your wife's. Yeah, a couple of ladies, amen in there. And it's not the church's either, by the way. It's not Pastor, Pastor Keith's job to teach your kids. It's not Pastor Ross's job to teach your teenagers. You fathers should be talking to your kids about spiritual things. If you don't ever talk to your kids about spiritual things, somebody will just slap you. Where do you think they're going to get this stuff from? Well, I send them to church. It's not going to have a big impact on their life. I mean, it helps, but it's not. Church is about just reinforcing what you tell them. That's what that's about. You need to speak life into them. A man speaking in the heart and life of another young man, another young woman is powerful. When a father speaks up and teaches and trains and instructs his children in the values that he should be, that child should be living. It is powerful stuff. Do a good job all the time, he writes. Not just when your boss is watching. <laughs> you know, the boss shows up and you, you take that, you know, card game off the computer screen. <laughs> he leaves, you go back to solitaire. You know, no, 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 no. Real Christianity is about doing the right thing when nobody's looking. That's integrity. What do you like when nobody sees you? What do you like when you can be totally alone, do whatever you want, and no one would ever know what you do? What do you like then? That's what's your heart. That's who you really are. Do the right thing, not just when people are watching. Next one, don't threaten people. This next one, get ready to fight the devil. Get ready to fight the devil. Praise God, it's about time that we get on the offensive instead of around being on the defensive all the time. So I'm afraid of the devil. I'm afraid of the devil. I want the devil to be afraid of me. Right. Somebody say amen. amen. I ought to be out there just kicking devil butt all day long. <laughs> and then finally, make sure you're always praying. All right, now, now check this out. I'm going to read these to you, just one after another. You don't know what to do. You don't know the will of God in your life. 
Check it out. Just three chapters in one book. Get a new attitude. Stop lying. When you're mad, don't sin. Quit taking what doesn't belong to you. Work hard so you can give to others. Don't talk nasty. Stop the bitterness. Be nice. Forgive people. Follow God like a kid. Live a life of love. Don't even allow a hint of sexual immorality in your life. Don't be greedy. Don't hang out with bad people. Make the most of every opportunity. Don't be stupid. Don't get drunk on booze. Get drunk on the Holy Spirit. Let the other guy win. Wives, respect your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents. Fathers, teach your children. Do a good job even when nobody's looking. Don't threaten people. Fight the devil and make sure you're always praying. That's just three chapters from one little skinny book. So I don't know what God wants me to do. I just start there. Goodness gracious. How can you say you don't know what God wants you to do? The Bible's full of what God wants you to do. Well, I mean, I don't know, you know, like, should I work at Burger King or McDonald's? I don't think God cares. <laughs> and if he does, he's a big boy. He can get across to you. If God doesn't want you to work at Burger King, he'll just get Burger King to fire your butt. <laughs> yeah, then you'll cry because you got fired. Are you hearing me? I'm praying God lead my life when I got fired. I don't understand. God, why would you do this to me? Because you said, show me your will. I don't want you there. Right? It's amazing God doesn't just slap us up upside the head all the time. Y'all be glad I'm not God. I just be hitting people all day long. Stupid, 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 stupid. He's a lot nicer than me. Praise God for that. Now that's just one little snippet from the New Testament. But if there's one theme that's repeated over and over and over again throughout the New Testament, it's this theme. You want to do the right thing? You want to do God's will? Serve people. Look what Jesus said in Matthew the 20th chapter. He calls all his disciples together and says, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. I'm in charge, I'm in charge, I'm in charge. And the high officials exercise authority over them. He says, Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be the first must be your slave. Just as the son of man. That's what Jesus did. Came not to be served, but he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Next book in the Bible that talks about service in Romans. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. But rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members don't all have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many form one body and members that belong to each other. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, speaking under the anointing of God, speaking as as the voice of God, let him do it uh, in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. If it's encouraging, then encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of of others, you got money, then be generous. If it's leadership, then let him govern diligently. If it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Galatians says, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. In Ephesians, he writes, serve wholeheartedly, not as if you were serving the Lord, not men. Because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he's slave or free. Peter says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. 
Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others. Faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, just like Paul was talking about, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If one serves, he should do it with the strength God provides. So that all... Uh, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. And then Peter also says this. To the elders among you. And I appeal as a fellow elder. A witness of Christ's sufferings. And one who's also who's sharing the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God, God's flock. Talking about the leaders. That's under your care. Serving as overseers. Not because you have to. But because you're willing. As God wants you to. Not greedy for money. But eager to serve. Not lording it over. I'm in charge. I'm in charge of this ministry. Everybody do what I say. Because I'm in charge of this ministry. If you're serving anywhere in the church. And you talk to people like that. I'm going to slap you. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. You're going to do my work. Because I'm in charge. That's not leadership. Leadership is about serving. And so the kingdom of God is different than the world. In the world, they exercise their power and authority. I'm going to charge you what I say. I'll fire you. But not in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about serving and leading and inspiring. Being an example. Being examples, he writes, to the flock. To serve. If there's one thing, you want to know God's will for your life? One thing is absolutely clear. He wants you to serve other people. This thing is clear. He wants all of us here to serve others. Webster defines serving as this. To be of use, to answer a purpose, and to have a function. So my question to you is, what is your use to God? What is your purpose? What is your function? The answer is as basic as this question. What can you do? It's like Paul was writing and Peter was writing. What can you do if your gift is this? If your gift is this? Then do those things. What can you do? And then find what you can do. And then as Mikey says, just do it. Just serve. Now, now, at, at the end of the service, you're going to notice we have these table stuff still set up in the foyer. Last week I talked about uh, letting God invade the spaces in your life and, and, and work in your relational areas. And, and I said, you know, we, we keep a very guilt-free mode on that. We're not going to push people uh, to connect with people. We're certainly not going to tell you who to connect with. We're not a cult. You know, that stuff's between you and God. All we want to do is allow opportunities for you to connect. There's all kinds of connecting opportunities and stuff. So that's very laid back. But this part today, I'm not so laid back. I'm in your face on. One thing is clear. You need to serve. You need to serve. And out there this morning are all kind of service opportunities in the church. Say, well, what, 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 what should I do? What can you do? That's all you got to know. What can you do? Say, well, I'm better. I've, a lot of people don't get involved because they're, they're overqualified. I'm overqualified. I mean, how qualified do you got to be to squish some wine in a little plastic cup? <laughs> I think we're all overqualified. It's not being about overqualified, what meets your standards. It's just about serving. It's about the whole point of service is you, you, you come down and you serve. Jesus, the Son of God, comes down and he washes the feet of his apostles. Was that below his station in life? You bet it was. Did he do it? Absolutely. Because he knew he needed to lay out an example that we need to serve one another. It might be ushering, it might be greeting people. You know, I call it the Walmart ministry. Instead of welcome to Walmart, it's welcome to Celebration Church. How can I help you out? The nursery's that away. The bathroom's that away. The, you know, just being nice, greeting people. It could be simple. You know, maybe you can sing in the choir. Maybe you play instruments. Maybe you, you know, just help hand out trays during communion. I mean, I don't know what it is. And it's not like you've got to sign up forever, but I'm telling you that you need to do something. 
If you come to church every Sunday and you do nothing, it's just not right. Not that we, you know, hey, I'm going to go on one way or the other. But it's not right for you. So if you have children, they watch you. How involved are you? Mom doesn't do nothing. Dad doesn't do nothing. Obviously, you're communicating to them that this doesn't really matter. It's important that you find a place to serve. Why? Because it's God's will. How do you know it's God's will? Because the Bible says over and over and over again ad nauseum that if you're a person of faith, you need to serve others. Whatever you can do, do. But the Bible says whatever you can find with your hands to do, do with all your might as unto the Lord. And I'll tell you this, you get that ship moving in your life. That boat starts going forward. Now that rudder can do something. Now God can direct you. Now God can lead you. Now God can unleash the potential that's in your life. All of you, I'm telling you right now, if all of us here, forget anybody else in the world, if all of us right here in this place would allow God to untap, to to, to tap the potential in our lives, we could change the city. We could change the state. We could change America. Just with the people sitting right here. If we would let God reach in and tap the potential. There's incredible potential in all of you. All of us. Like, all of us are like nuclear power plants. Problem is nobody threw the switch. Most of them are off. Why? Because we haven't allowed God to start moving in our lives. Do the basic. Do the simple things. Do the most basic thing you can do. And watch what God will do in your life. He loves you. You're here for a purpose. You're not an accident. I know your mama told you you was an accident. But you, but you, you might have been a surprise to them. But you were no accident. When you were born, the angels said, guess who was born? God says, really? Are you kidding me? I never thought he'd be born. That's amazing. That's Wow. He knew exactly who you were. You're here for a purpose. You are created for a purpose. God has a wonderful plan. It may not be glitzy. It may not be fancy. You may never be famous. But God has a wonderful plan for you. You say, Pastor, what is it? You got to get the boat moving. Do the basics. And as you do the basics, particularly this basic of serving, watch what God will do in your life. I'm going to have the ushers come, get ready to serve us communion and our musicians to come back up. Pastor, how will I know if God really wants me to do something special? Well, you just do what you know to do and don't worry about the rest. Remember, it's God's will. It's God's will. Just like you want other people to know your will. You want your kids to know your will. You want your employees to know your will. You want your husband to know your will or your wife. You tell them. You communicate to them. Why would God have a will and a purpose for you and not say it? That would be cruel. I love the analogy Jesus said. You know, um, you know, if, if a father, if, you're, if, if a kid asks for a, a piece of bread, he doesn't give him a serpent, a poisonous snake. He asks for bread, he doesn't give him a rock. He gives him what he asks for. He says, "Man, if, if if you being evil know how to do good things for your your kids, how much more your Father in heaven? If if people being evil and full of sin." get the concept that I want you to know what I want why would God hide that from you a parent who sits around quietly and just insists that the kids understand what he really feels in his heart is a tyrant 
A boss who fires people because they didn't do what he wanted but never told them is a tyrant. God is no tyrant. He's not holding out on you. He wants to use you for his purpose. But you have got to start moving. If you don't do the basics, he'll never trust you for greater things. You really want to know God's will for your life? The most important thing is to take step number one. Where are you at in the kingdom of God? The number one will for God's God's will for everybody's life is that they be saved. That you be forgiven of your sins. That you have this connection with him. That's why Jesus Christ died. That's what we're doing now. As we reflect on the body and the blood of Christ. That was sacrificed for us. Why? So we could have forgiveness of sins. So that we could be set free from the power of sin. And God could start moving in our lives. And we could start experiencing the potential that is within us. That God has within you. God put dreams inside of you. What if those hopes and dreams and desires are inside of you? Maybe what if those come from God? Does it make sense to run away from God and trying to fulfill those on your own? Of course not. Those dreams inside of you might come directly from God. You need to run to Him. Say, God, here I am. Start in my life. Move in my life. If you've never truly put your faith in Christ this morning, I ask you all to bow our heads in a word of prayer. I'm going to ask you all to pray with me. If you will pray this prayer and believe this from the bottom of your heart, you can take your initial first step today in having a relationship with God. Experience God in your life and beginning to discover God's will for your life. It starts by asking Jesus in your heart and to forgive you of your sins. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you loved me so much you went to the cross and took my punishment. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins. I now surrender my life to you. 